Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. All right, cut the intro. It is Friday, August 19th, 2016. Football Friday here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. And, you know, we don't have any actual football games that mean anything today. But have no fear. We got football for you. Big Ten and Pac-12's up today. Emil and I are going to give you the skinny on both of those conferences and lay down our predictions, what we think the uh, records will be, what we think – about each team and who's going to be the winners. Ain't that right, Emil? That's what we're going to do, you and me. That's how we're going to You know, by the way, I was in a bar last night here. Uh, you know this, Uh-oh. but the listeners don't. I'm on vacation, you know, sitting there at the bar late at night. Not late at night, late at night. Like, you know, prime time, let's put it. That's not late. Um, with my wife having a drink, and I look up on the TV, and they have the Eagles playing the Steelers in a preseason game, which will always confuse mm-hmm. me in the NFL why they schedule preseason games for teams that will meet in the regular season, but that's a, I diverge. That's a different topic. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that Landry Jones for the Steelers looked like they put someone like me at quarterback last night. All I saw were why? things that resembled, well, I mean, they resemble punts. The interceptions, he, I mean, the one interception he threw was going at no end. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> Oh, man, what are you going to do? You know, um, your buddy, Colin Cowherd, you know, someone who I also like, but every now and then I think he drifts off of, uh, I don't know if if he goes with hyperbole or if he really believes these things, but, you know, uh, Dak Prescott had a pretty good, impressive um, debut as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback in his first preseason game last week, so there was a lot of uh, talk about it, and uh, you know, in a positive manner. And Colin swimming upstream as he does quite often says uh, he's not going to build his franchise around a guy who got a DUI. And you know, I'm like, come on, Cowherd. I mean, not everyone is going to be you know squeaky clean. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. And when you look around the league, there aren't uh, a whole bunch of elite quarterbacks. And that's why you use the word elite. But Dak well, Prescott in that opening looked like he uh, had the goods. I mean, it's only one small well, sample Colin, size. But you, know, come on. you know, Colin, we both like him. But, but I also think he he tends to try to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, Rile he over, the fan maybe, base? Yeah, maybe. No, I, well, I think he overanalyzes things. I mean, first of all, we'll, we'll break down a statement, what he just said. That would be like me saying, well, I'm not going to build a, a franchise around a quarterback who's been accused of rape, not once, but twice. Right, well, and we're talking about Big well. Ben. That's, that yeah, has that's been your target. Well. Yeah, well, there you have it. You can't, listen, in this day and age, uh, guys get into stuff. And, you know, I mentioned Tom Brady. He has the whole, I mean, he's missing four games, for crying out loud. By say Peyton Manning, he's part of this Al Jazeera thing that has suddenly popped back up with uh, the NFL season three weeks away. Odd timing on that. Um 
The only one I can't pull something up on really is Drew Brees. Other than to say, well, you know, no, Drew Brees seems pretty squeaky clean. But let me ask you this: This is a serious question, though. It's going to come off maybe sarcastic, but I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Do you think it's easier now in most states uh, to blow a DUI? You got to be .08 anymore. Which is essentially at this, I mean, you know, that's about a beer and a half, I think, for a normal guy. Um, so, okay, do you think it's easier to get a, a DUI or to get accused of rape twice? Not once, twice. <laughs> Come on, man. What is your problem with Ben Roethlisberger? How you are allowed to live in Pennsylvania and not, like, get sniped is unbelievable to me. Uh, <laughs> my problem my problem with the whole thing is, you know, I, I, I kind of live my life by if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Now, first of all, I could understand if it was once. Because things happen once. They do. I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, you're in that lifestyle. There's a lot of, um, I'm, you know, I'm not calling, you know, obviously there's legitimate rape claims. But there's also a lot of hangers-on and crazy women. So it can happen once. But twice in what I remember to be about an 18-month period, that's almost like getting hit by lightning. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I, I, you know, I suppose you're right on that. It, it is would be strange for that to happen to you twice. So, you know, in your little example there, yeah, it'd be extremely, it'd be a whole lot more I difficult. I think the DUI is a hell of a lot statistically easier. And, but, you know, what I liked about Prescott wasn't the, the final number, because you've said this for years. We've, we've talked about preseason games. You can't put too much stock in preseason games and, and the results, even in the first quarter, because the, the defenses are very plain vanilla. You're not getting a lot of looks in a preseason game that, that necessarily you're going to get in a regular season, especially the first preseason game where most teams don't even game plan. Okay? But what I liked about them was there was 90,000 people in that stadium. It was a big deal. The Rams were, you know, their first game back in L.A. in whatever it was, 22 years. It didn't look too big for him. That's really. I mean, right. I, I don't. I don't know how to quantify that for people. I don't care about whatever his numbers were. You can tell me this for that. His quarterback rating. I watched the way he carried himself. The stage didn't look big for him. It looked like, hey, yeah, this is business as usual for me. Um. Yeah, I would agree. Cool, calm, and collected. Everything that you saw from him in Mississippi State, he just brought to the grand stage of the NFL. So good job by your Cowboys there. I don't want to belabor that well, point. Let's see, uh, let's another see thing where that, it goes, right? Yeah, let's, let's see, see where, where it, it ends up from here. I mean, that is just one game that we're uh, looking at here, um, nevertheless. And we're talking about a backup uh, in the NFL. Anyway, let's talk about the uh, Olympics. And I'm not talking about Usain Bolt. I'm not talking about Michael Phelps. I'm not talking about our uh, ladies who finish one, two, three in the hurdles or our gymnast or anything like that. We're going to talk about Ryan Lotsky and uh, his goons. Or shall I dare say thugs? I have not. Listen, Emil, I don't want to get into an entire race war on this show. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, Ryan Lotsky and his boys did some stuff there, all right? Um, they broke some laws down there. And not yet have I heard them described as thugs, something I'm pretty sure um, any of a number of our track athletes um, who would go are usually typically of a certain colors if you're in the sprints. If they had committed these crimes, would have been, that word thug would have been used. And I also, there's yeah. another issue here for me too, is um, there was an alleged assailant. Obviously, there wasn't really one. I would love to hear Ryan Lotsky's um, description of that said assailant. A white well, Brazilian, black a, Brazilian? It was, a large, it was a large black man, kind of ominous. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Um, you know, that whole incident, Emil, that whole incident is what um, people don't like about the United States of America. These guys, goes down, they go down there. They're supposed to be competing in the Olympics or whatever. You're done. Olympics is over. And the whole attitude of this whole incident is like, whatever, like a little third world country. We're just going to do what we want, piss where we want, treat people how we want, and then we're out of here. Like, damn these Brazilians. And it's just um, a, that thing about America that you, you mean know, a little the rest bit of, of the world. A little kind. bit of the arrogance? Yeah, man. And it, that's just really so strongly portrayed in this incident and you know i don't want to say ryan lotsky represents all of america but in in a in a kind of a way he does well i mean you know yeah i mean i don't know if he he represents a portion of america maybe i mean it is certainly a black eye for us you know other people look at this and say you know is that what you guys are really about i'm not so sure you know how many athletes do we have there you know we've got a few bad apples your point about portraying him as a thug kind of hard when the guy's got his hair dyed, dyed uh, silver and black like mine and uh, he looks like he'd be uh, an executive at the uh, <laughs> yeah well he's not, not an athlete he's pretty hard to call him a thug I picture him pulling up in Mercedes the way he's portraying himself down there yeah well you know um, I, I know you're making light of it but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there wondering when that label is going to get thrown on the swimmers who went out and had uh, well, a pretty really, awful night. I'm the first one on this show course. to, but I'm the first one on this show to always bring that up, and you know I do. Yeah, I find. I, yeah, I, I haven't used I, that. I, I haven't find, heard that, that word that's used. Code word. No, that's code. I always say that that's code because you know it's just it's just a word, and you know, and I'm not really. It's funny we talk about this stuff on here, but in my life I'm really not big into that that kind of stuff. I've even warned people and said, you know, you start labeling everything racism, everything sexism. It, it really it, it makes it white noise in the background where people stop listening after a while. But I have always exactly. warned people use that word thug. I've heard it so often, especially with athletes, and especially, by the way, with NBA athletes. If you've noticed, mm. if, you, if you go to a jump, you, know, you couldn't do it because you would say, I could do it. We could hotwire me. And I could go to a sports bar, sit down during basketball, and start a, a conversation with most white guys especially over the age of 35, and say, you know, what do you feel like the NBA? Nah, man, they're just a bunch of thugs. What does yeah. that mean? Yeah, I know. I know it. I know it. It's it's just uh, crazy. And and with everything now, uh, we can find the uh, racial lines being drawn. Um, even with the Olympics, the things that happen on the field court um, area of play and then the things that happen off of it, it's just the kind of, world that we are now um our guy darren sharper gets 18 years uh sentenced to 18 years this is something amal i've never understood i never will understand um i guess it's a disease some affliction that he has certainly this man did not need to do this but is 18 years enough uh, you know somebody sent me that story yesterday and my exact response was this is one thick beep 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 because i can't say it here i mean he, mm. you know, you, you read that story, he, he's a sick guy, man. I mean, I don't know if 18 He years is. Is 18, uh, 18 years in prison will cure this of this guy? Uh, is there the hope that when he gets out, he won't uh, be as virile? How do you figure I don't, he's going to get, get cured? So think about, let's think about prison. We're getting off the subject. Let's think about prison. I'm going to send you in with people who are even worse than him. 
and I right. expect him to come out cured. Yeah, I, I mean, if in the current life, in the life that you were living, this was the course that you took. I hardly believe when you come out 18 years later from prison, um, you're going to somehow not have those urges anymore and be able to correctly respond to them. I don't know. Maybe this, maybe, is a this will be the I ultimate in knowing if prisons are rehabber. But this isn't about, you know, you have to understand, we're getting deep here into this, but this isn't about sex, really. This is about a guy who, whatever word you want, he likes controlling people. Uh, yeah, wants to have power. Yeah, but oddly enough, needed power, drugs right. to do this. Well, it's just it's the whole story, Dodd, to me. He's living the life. He's an NFL star. I mean, you know, Sharper was a star. He, I mean, come on. You can accidentally get If it was just about getting girls, you could accidentally get girls. You know, if I lock for him after the game, you get girls. So this guy I know. Um, the biggest, the fattest, the ugliest of them all have pulled. Um, and I'm not just talking fives. They've pulled tens, and, you know, Darren Sharper is not an ugly guy. He's a good-looking guy um, playing in the NFL, has money, and this was the route that you chose. I'll never, ever understand it. Quite quite bizarre. Hey, listen, um, look, we're waiting for college football a couple weeks from now, NFL um, uh, one more week after that. But high school football, Emil, has started already. It starts for me tonight as uh, our American Heritage Patriots, ranked number six overall in the country, I might add, by Max Preps takes on five-time Florida State champion Booker T. Washington. So that's a big game going down tonight. St. Thomas Aquinas, a school that uh, people across the nation know about, took to the field last night taking on Dillard. And, you know, Dillard High School um, in my day, in my day, was uh, a very, very solid program that uh, did a lot of winning and sent a lot of guys to college. It's not your father's. Dillard, as they say, uh, Aquinas hangs a 51 nothing score in their opener on Dillard, and uh, it's all smooth sailing for St. Thomas. But uh, we, on the other hand, we got a real game tonight, taking on Booker T. Washington. Now, give me, wait, give me a lay of the land. How far away are the schools from one another, American Heritage and Booker T. Washington? Like, give me uh, roughly here. 30 oh. minutes, roughly 30 minutes apart. Minutes. It's really a Dade County versus Broward County battle, as you know, uh, the right. two counties insist that they have the best football uh, in South Florida. You know, Dade County is uh, very loud with that claim, and Broward has uh, really closed the gap over the years. And um, this is a real Dade County versus Broward County battle. You know, American Heritage has won two, uh, the state championship two out of the last three years. I believe Booker T has won four straight. So it's uh, it's going to be a big battle going down tonight, 730 at American Heritage And what High class School. is each school in as far as uh – American Heritage is 5A, and Booker T. Washington is 4A. So, um, you know, pretty close in size of school. Um, and it'll be there'll be so much talent on that field tonight. It's just uh, amazing. A lot of Division One athletes running around. Expect the stands to be packed. Great way to kick off the high school football season with a game like this. So I'm excited about it. And, hey, man, if nothing else, football season is officially here. Uh, for those of you who are how many into people high school football. would you get for would you guys get for a game like that down there? Oh, you know I don't even know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not all. I mean, that it's tw- I mean twenty thousand. You know, you'd love this. You'd love to say that, Abel, but uh, you know, I don't even know what twenty thousand people at American Heritage would look like. 
Um, yeah, you know what? Listen, Let's say I, know you've been going to, I know you've been going to a lot of Miami games. Okay, so you might not know. Oh, uh, man, you couldn't resist, huh? <laughs> We're talking Pac-12 today. Wait till I get to USC. The shots are going to come back at you, my friend. Well, wait till I get They're coming. All right. Uh, I think we need to cut it at that. High school football kicks off tonight. Get excited about that, folks. Uh, it's happening across the country. It's definitely happening down here in the Mecca, South Florida, where, um, you know, high school football was born. Was it not? Was it not born here in South Florida, Amel? I don't know. If it wasn't, if it wasn't, it sure as hell lives there right now. That, yes, it, it thrives. It's your world, and we're just living in it. Yeah, it thrives. It thrives down here in South Florida. So that starts tonight. We're gonna need to take a break. When we get back, though, we're gonna jump on these Pac-12 predictions first. We're gonna do that. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go west, come and bring it back to east. Pac-12's up. Predictions next on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. Just be the self-self-rich Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one-week and even one-day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Stud Show, 10:19 a.m. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. College football prediction time. Let's jump right into it. Pac-12 is where we're at. We're going to go west and come back east. Pac-12, then we'll follow that up with the Big Ten. Now, Pac-12 is broken down into two separate divisions, as are 
most of our conferences now in college football. Wouldn't have dreamt this up back when I was missing my front teeth, but nevertheless, that is what we have here. You know what? Since this is kind of your conference, this is your thing, I'm going to let you lead the way on that. Which way are we going first? We going south? We going north? How do you, how do you want to? How do you want to do? We'll this? start in the south. And we'll go north because the south, we, you know, we start with the Arizona schools and work our way through the south. And then we'll head up right. north. And uh, I think, by the way, I think the, you know, on the surface, I think the northern division is going to be more interesting this year. So I'd rather end with the northern division. Um, to that, I, I would agree. I would definitely agree on that. So uh, we're going to start with the south. And uh, the way we're going to do this is we're just going to go through each team alphabetically and then give you an idea of, uh, you know, what we what we think uh, each team's going to be able to do this year. So uh, we're going to start with Arizona State. And uh, what's, what's your thoughts on uh, the Sun Devils this year? Uh, well, they're replacing a lot this year. And, you know, you know, like, he's done a great job down there recruiting, Graham. But I'm not a big fan, and, and I'm not sure you are either, of the way they go about their defense, first of all. I mean, I think they just play a lot of that you know, where it's, it's just blitzing every play. I mean, it's one thing if you want to throw some blitzes in. I'm I'm cool with putting pressure on a quarterback. But when you start bringing it every play, you're just asking for trouble against good teams. I mean, against bad teams, they'll post the occasional 55-17 blowout and look good. But when they're playing better teams, those blitzes usually don't work out well for them. Um, the schedule for them, not bad. I mean, opening up with Northern Arizona, but you pointed out last show when we handled the Big 12, Texas Tech, that could be dicey, you know, especially with the quarterback play Texas Tech gets. They could they could expose that defense. Um, they had, the, you know, middle, early October, they go on the road to USC, home with UCLA. Uh, Washington State's not going to be a cakewalk this year. They're at Arizona. For me, this is this is a step. They're going to step back this year. Uh, this, this is a stick and stick Arizona State club to me. It's it's just I I don't like you know what they do defensively, and I I think with some of that schedule, they're going to get exposed. Yeah, I don't quite feel that way about you. I do um, hear your point on the defense. We've talked about that on this show before. Real, uh, you know, casino style. Um, you know, we're just going to send the house and see what happens, and hopefully they don't see the quarterback doesn't have enough time to see that guy running wide open. Not a big fan of that, but I will say this. I don't think Arizona State's a 6-16 six and 16 this year. I kind of like them more in that 8-4 and four range. Uh, they, did, they did some good things last year that I think they'll be able to build on. And when I look at the schedule, the Texas Tech game is at home. Uh, they do get Utah at home, not saying that that's a game that they could win, but I don't see a whole bunch on there that's going to, you know, kill them. They, I mean, the USC game's uh, obviously a tough one for them on the road, but I'm not I'm not seeing an overwhelming schedule here for them. Northern Arizona, you've got the Texas Tech game, and then you got UT um, San Antonio on there. You know, if there was a tougher schedule, I might feel a little bit more like you bring it closer to six and six but i think this arizona state team um is looking at an eight and four season just my opinion on that so we're going to slide yeah, on I mean, over it's to arizona. fair enough you could catch it i mean i could see your point and then we go to arizona and they're a team that's bringing back their quarterback and they have a, a kid challenging him for the starting job um this is a school where i think the schedule does become you know more of a factor i mean arizona when they get you out in the desert it can be a tough game uh, they tend to turn the ball over a lot, and if you look at the schedule, they open up with BYU. I don't care where you're playing BYU. You're going to know you're in a game, okay, tough game. Mm-hmm. 
couple winnable games against Grambling and, and Hawaii, but then listen to this schedule from here for, for six weeks. Home with Washington, at UCLA, at Utah, home with USC, home with Stanford, at Washington State. I think when they run that gambit and get through it, they could be a little bit beat up. And uh, I just – this is a 5-7 and seven team to me. Yeah, I think we're a little closer on this one. Uh, I have them at 6-6. At six and six. Uh, Yes, the quarterback's back. Uh, They do some good things on offense. Just something about Rich Rodriguez putting himself in for some jobs uh, on the slide, putting it out there in uh, small circles about being interested in the Miami job, and it just sounds like he wants out of there. And Typically, Amel, a coach doesn't want out of some place if he feels really good about the future. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. And when I look at last year, uh, the defense given up 56, 55, 45, 49, and 52 in losses. That's a bit of a concern. Yeah, uh, you might improve, but how much are you going to improve on that side of the ball this year? And then you already mentioned the schedule. It gets a little bit rough for them. And while they, I think the early part may look good for them, I think coming home uh, things might get a little, a little dicey for them. And uh, if your defense is not playing well, uh, the train can fall off the track pretty fast, but I'm going to keep them at six and six. Well, here's going the big problem which... for him going forward. By the way, for Rich, he sees where he's at. That school is a basketball school, and when you're in that conference in football, that division, you know USC and UCLA are typically picking off some of the best Arizona players to begin with, and if they don't get them, usually they end up at Arizona State, not Arizona. So I think he sees the writing on the wall. You know, he's kind of stuck in a situation where. You know, there's kind of a ceiling for where he can take that program, I think. Yeah, yeah I would, uh, agree with you on that. So, um, you know, whatever it is, he knows something that maybe all of us don't completely and totally know. So, Colorado, uh, it's been a struggle for Colorado the last few years. I don't expect that to change. Uh, what are your thoughts on Colorado? Again, another school. I mean, I guess the schedule is brutal on top of it when you look at the fact that you're – you're not very good, but it is a brutal right. schedule. I mean, they go at Michigan, at Oregon, uh, I don't know, Oregon State, whatever, but then they're at USC, home with Arizona State, at Stanford. I mean, this is a school that I think they might be improved. It might not quite show up as drastically in the record. I think he's got them headed in the right direction there. It's kind of a 4-18 and 18 to me. Maybe they get a fifth win somewhere. I, I, I do think they'll be improved. They played some tough games when they were home last year. They showed some fight, but um, uh, that's a tall task, that schedule. So I'm going to call for them to win four, maybe five games. Amel, before I saw this schedule, I said uh, Colorado's a 4-8 and football team in 2016. Then I looked at the schedule. At Michigan, at Oregon, at USC, at Stanford, uh, ending with Utah. Um, so I ticked off another one there for him. So I, I'm thinking this is a 3-9 football team. If you're Colorado and you're into Pac-12 right now, I don't know how you fix this. I don't know how you get yourself back to even being a 500 football team in this conference right now. Um, I would give a tremendous amount of credit to any coach who even pulled this team to 6-6 six and six or, you know, even, you know, 5-7 and seven or 7-5. Seven and five. It's just a tough road, a tough hill for Colorado to climb right now. and uh, It's a structural you know, problem, you. if you ask me, with the conference they're in. I mean, the, I always look at it this way. Take a big-picture view of the way we've talked about the, a, the ACC with your school. Colorado's in a conference where, you know, most of their opponents are either up in the great northwest or, uh, you know, the big boys in L.A. And, and out in northern California. 
their fan base, I'm thinking, even though their great programs are playing, there's not a lot of interest. The natural rivalries to me for Colorado would be more of those old Big 12 schools, um, you know, like the Oklahomas and Texases and, 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 and that kind of deal. So I'm not sure it's a great place for them to be recruiting even. Well, listen, Emily, you have them at four and eight. I said three and nine, and we probably spent about seven minutes too long talking about Colorado. Probably. So let's slide on to something a little prettier, and that's UCLA. I mean, who can't like powder blue jerseys? Uh, right. But UCLA might live up to those powder blue jerseys this year. Emil, I mean, they've got probably the best secondary coming back. Um, and, you know, I'm a DB guy. But um, just something about UCLA this year just – I don't know what it is, Amo. I can't put my finger on it, but I've learned in 44 years on this earth to go with my gut, and my gut says that it's going to be a rough year for UCLA and uh, Jim Moore Jr. I, you know, you got Rosen coming back. You've got all that, and I keep hearing this voice in my head that says they're going to have problems. And maybe it's the schedule at Texas A&M to start the season off, uh, or is that a neutral site? Either way, it's Texas A&M, tough game. No, that's People think big things. Okay, so even worse. You know, you mentioned the DBs, and they do have. I mean, their defensive backfield, at least on paper, looks phenomenal. So much so they took Ishmael Adams, from what I understand, to move him over to offense. A couple things with Rosen. I think the kids, you know, got all the skills to be a top 10 NFL pick, especially after seeing Goff go number one last year. I'm a little concerned that on a maturity level, he gets himself involved in some of these. Uh, you know, social media wars where he starts throwing out political things, and I'm all for that. Once you're not in that, in that if, you know, if you or me throw out a political thing, fine. You could, we could start a little fun, but you know, he gets himself kind of in in some of that stuff that he shouldn't be. I don't know if he's enjoying the LA lifestyle a little too much. And then, like you met, you mentioned their schedule. Schedule's going to be tough for all these schools. I mean, the Pac-12 is, is a very good conference talked about that, but I just, I don't know, that, that Texas a and game on the road, and then two weeks later at BYU, then they come home with Stanford. That's going to lot for a team that didn't play the run well last year. The hell with their mm-hmm. defensive backs. They couldn't stop the run. Yeah, so they're going to be beat down physically. So at A&M, at BYU, then the Stanford game, you're going to Arizona State, you're going to Washington State, who I expect to be improved. You got Utah, there's no way around that. Um, and then, you know, you've got the end-of-the-year game with uh, USC, and then you're at Cal. But um, it's it's just, I think, going to be a tough thing. Maybe, I still maybe have next year will be though. better. I see, I still you have got them at 8-4? Yeah, I, I, I know, must I be think... crazy. You know, I Why? must be crazy. I'm saying 6-6, six and six, but sometimes I like, uh, I, I like when my numbers come up off the beaten path because – you know, how often does the college football season go the way that you expect? I'm saying 6-6 six and six for UCLA. I might be crazy. Yeah, I've got them winning some games just because of the quarterback play. I think he'll elevate them in some spots where, you know, they can steal the game on a final drive here and there. So, I mean, I, and I think Moore is a pretty solid coach. So, I don't know, but you could be right. I mean, I just, I don't I don't see them being 6-6. Uh, six and six, But, you know, like you said, sometimes when you're off the beaten path, you're the one that's right. All right, USC is your school. You want me to go first, or do you want to take the uh, bull uh, by the I'll horn? Go first. I'll go first. I think, you know, the, obviously, you know, the, the 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 white elephant in the room, pardon the pun, is that opener with Alabama. I mean, um, it's an opening game. I think cause I like opening games like that. I've talked about that. But I think mm-hmm. we're going to find out a lot about USC. Um, the skill positions 
and the offensive line, without question, are some of the best in the country. The key for USC this year is going to be simple. Uh, can these young guys that came in as four and five stars on the defensive line, can they step up and you know play ball? Because if they can, they can hold up there. I think Pendergrass has shown every place he's gone, he's had a top defense. He had USC number one in the Pac-12 when he was there for a year. He went to Cal. Cal, I said, number one in the Pac-12 mm. in defense. I think mm. Pendergrass will have them play respectable defense. The question is, can they elevate it to a point where they're a top 25 or 30 defense in the country? If they are, I think it's going to be a big year. That said, the schedule is very difficult. Um, for me, I look at them. I've got them at 9-3. I see some losses here just because of how the schedule goes. Alabama, home Utah State, back-to-back at Stanford and Utah. Come home for a couple breathers, maybe with Arizona State, Colorado, you know, the middle of the schedule, I think they can make some headway. Then they close up home with Oregon at Washington, UCLA, home at Notre Dame. It's a brutal November, okay, um, and a brutal September. So in between, I think they find some losses, and I've got that night. Yeah, you're not going to like me very much. Uh, listen, I, I, you know, I like Clay Helton. Had a chance to meet him personally. I think he's going to do good things at USC. Um, you're going with a, a new quarterback there. So when you've got a new quarterback and your first four weeks look like Alabama, Utah State, Stanford, and Utah, with three of those four being uh, – I, I mean, where's that Alabama game, Amel? It's in uh, Texas Stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's, park, th- that's, pretty, that's, that's three away games for me, and those are tough, sure. tough ball games. And then when you come back home, yeah, it's Arizona State. Um, I was a little higher on them than you were, but Arizona State's always been a kind of crazy game uh, for USC. So sure. that just that first five weeks um, can kind of set a mental tone that you don't like. And then in November, what are you playing for if that first, you know, if the first part of this season's not right? You're at Washington, who I like this year, the rivalry game with UCLA, and then Notre Dame. I mean, this is a murderous schedule that's been put together here for USC. It may set the tone mentally uh, for what they're going to be in years to come at USC. I just don't like them this year to 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 be the USC that we all know and love. I, I got them at 7 and 5 this season. So I could very well be. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll, no, I might hang up on you. I think it's like listen, I've said to many people who've asked me um September will define USC. I think if they go play Alabama tough, even if they lose the game and then were to rip off three wins in a row and go three and one, I think it could be a big year for USC. Conversely, as you point out, if that doesn't go according to the way you hope it would go, that it could be a bad, tough year, a long year, because, you, you know, you fall get behind the eight ball early and, you know, mentally you're down and all that stuff. So, yeah, September to me is going to be bigger than, than most for this team. Sure. Uh, and then finally, Utah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Utah? And I'll give you mine. Uh, you know, my concern, Utah always plays excellent defense. Um, I think losing Booker hurts them. Uh, you know, I look at the schedule is kind of nice schedule sets up early for them with, you know, Southern Utah at home with their rival BYU at San Jose home with USC. They could get off to a good start. And actually because of the schedule, um, they could steal this, the South division. I have USC winning the South, but I have Utah at eight and four, like UCLA and second though in the South, and that USC game I have deciding the tiebreaker in this this division. So I could see Utah actually stealing the South division based on schedule, but I'm going to put them second at eight and four. 
Yeah, I have Utah as the champs in this division. You know what Utah reminds me of? Utah reminds me of when Pete Carroll showed up at USC and he decided that this is a pass-happy seven-on-seven shorts-and-shirt type uh, league. And what I'm going to introduce here is the physical part of the game of football, and that's going to give us an advantage. It's something that Stanford has used of late to make some serious headway and and, uh, be a real force in the Pac-12. That's where Utah is right now. I look at last year's schedule. If they weren't dominating – um, their opponents then, and they were losing a game, it was pretty close. Other than the USC game uh, on the road uh, where they got beat up, they were close, a double overtime loss at Arizona. Uh, you know, you know, after the double overtime loss, you had to play UCLA, and you weren't right, so you lost that one, but it was a close football game. And when I think about that USC game, you went to USC last year, you lost 42-24. to I think Utah is going to be plenty jacked up for that game, I look at their schedule for 2016. Um, nothing, nothing overwhelming here. Certainly not like USC schedule. Like you said early on, it sets up nice for them. I guess we'll find out something about them from a physical standpoint when they take on BYU. But I like their schedule. I like their physicality. I like the direction that Utah is moving in. I like them to be nine and three in your champs of the South this year. So that's how that shapes up. We need to move up north, the uh, northern end of the Pac-12, and uh, we're going to start this off with Cal. I guess I'll go first with these teams here. Uh, Cal, um, you, you know how much – you remember how much hype Cal had going into last season? Jared Goff and everything else. I mean, uh, that's all people wanted to talk about. And with the uh, first-round pick that you had there, you ended up going – what they go, 7-5? and five? It doesn't Something really like that. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't anything that. It, we'll put it this way: it wasn't a season that any of us remember. So it was seven and five, seven and six, something like that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know what's missing at Cal, but it's definitely something. And then on top of whatever it is that's missing, you're missing your your quarterback. You're replacing a first round pick at quarterback. So I'm not too high on Cal this year, uh, honestly, Amal. I'm not going to go too far in depth into it. I just think Cal's a 5-7 and seven football team. Well, even their out-of-conference schedule is brutal. I mean, you know, after that early opener this upcoming Friday, the week from today against Hawaii, two weeks, San Diego State on the road, very good team. For those of you who forgot, I think they were 10-2 and two last year or something. Then they're home yeah, with Yeah, a game Texas. they could lose if they're, if they're not right. Right, right. They're home with Texas, who's going to probably need a win there uh, if, if, they, if they lose their opener at Notre Dame. So Texas will come in with their hair on fire. Uh, road game, Arizona State. Yeah, to me, this is, this is a four-win football team. Breaking in a new quarterback, losing golf. Yeah, it's a four-win team. They don't like defense very much up there anymore. So, yeah, uh, I'm not real high on Cal. Yeah, uh, a no-go for Cal from both of us. Oregon, uh, this is, um, I think, this is a program, and, I, you know, this is, this is a harsh word, in decline. And um, by that I mean uh, on-field performance. I mean, Oregon has a lot of intangibles just as a program for, you know, a youngster that wants to go there and play. Uh, but just as an on-field performance, I see the decline here. I'm feeling the decline, and I think that's going to continue. It'll be really more apparent this year there are some things that went on last year for Oregon on the field that uh I didn't particularly like the defense is still horrendous I guess that has a lot to do with the fact that you're running that hurry up but um I'm just seeing some things there that 
I don't really like Hamel, and I, I, I listen. I think others have caught up kind of with what Oregon does intangibly. You know, the uniforms. Everyone has a little crazy uniforms now, and uh, everyone's built up their facilities. So that original advantage that Oregon had. Um, it has fallen back away. And then losing Chip Kelly, I think we all knew that would be a bit of a problem. I just don't know that Oregon's still going to be that team. Looking at the schedule, you're going to Nebraska as one of your out-of-conference games. That could be a little bit tough for you. Uh, you're going to be at Washington State, who I think is going to be good this year, uh, at USC, at Utah, and then you're on the road for your end-of-the-year uh, you know, in-state battle. Uh, I just think it's going to be a tough year for Oregon. I have them at 6-6. Six and six. I might be harsh on that, but I, I just don't like Oregon this year. Well, I, I've got them with one extra win at 7, but we kind of see the team as the same thing. Um, and I, I've been critical, if you recall last year, I said that this coaching staff was not a great staff. And I've read that in numerous areas, not just one person's opinion, that basically, you know, they, they were, you know, they were the residual of, of you know, they kept what Chip Kelly had in place, and I think they rode that a little bit to some respectability. Now it comes, you got to start doing your own thing, and I just don't think it's a great staff there. And you got to remember the trajectory of the Oregon program. For those of you who are young, Oregon was a doormat for four, four or five decades. Along came mm-hmm. Mike Bellotti, who made them respectable. They got to a Rose Bowl back in '94 and lost that uh, undefeated Penn State team. That you know, big controversy where they. They, they, they finished second to Nebraska, but that was a really, really good Penn State team. Um, and, and then, you know, USC dominated for some more years in there, and then along came Chip Kelly, uh, and, you know, the ascent of Oregon kind of coincided with the descent of, of my Trojans during the, the penalty phase. And I think now you're seeing all that's coming full circle. Stanford's kind of taken over um, recently as the big dog, and uh, especially in the north where, where, where they play. And I just think that this year it's all going to come to a head. The quarterback's unsettled there. They have some issues. They're replacing three or four offensive linemen from last year. So I think one of us, I think we're we're in the right area. You may be wrong or I might be right or maybe they are six and six, but I don't think we're far off on this team. I really see them as, as, like I said, a seven and five type of team. Yeah. uh, And I just going to see that unfold, but you know, Teams, programs, dynasties, whatever. Uh, you can't really even call them a dynasty, but for them, by their standards, yes. Uh, they come and they go. I think Oregon's going away. I don't know if they'll be able to recapture it. Oregon State, um, quite frankly, a 3-9 and football team for me. When you look at their play in the Pac-12 last year, they just got dominated pretty much by everyone they went up against. Uh, uh, they, they All but one game and that was versus Colorado with double-digit losses for Oregon State in the Pac-12. Just not very competitive right now. Uh, I don't see a major change happening there for them. Uh, so, you know, if, uh, th- three and nine is uh, where I see this team. They're taking on Boise State as one of their out-of-conference games. That could be a problem for them. How they're going to reverse double-digit losses in all those games in the Pac-12 is, uh, you know, beyond me. So three and nine is the best I could hope for. That's what I'm going with with Oregon State. I'll save us all time since we don't get paid by the word. Ditto that for me. They're a bad team. Yeah. Uh, moving along, Stanford. Uh, Stanford, like you said, has moved themselves into the power uh, in the northern end of the Pac-12. They've done so by being physical, running the football, managing and controlling the clock, and um, it has worked quite well for them. 
They are replacing a quarterback. Uh, but, you know, in a school like Stanford, and this sounds funny because uh, this is where Andrew Luck came from, it's really not all about that. You know, it's a, it's a nice little system that they have going there. I don't think Stanford's going to be as dominant maybe as they have been uh, in years past. I have them at 9-3, and three, Emil. The schedule starts off with Kansas State, who we both agree is going to be down this year. Uh, USC early, that's going to be a big one. Um, at Washington, uh, who I think is going to be a good team this year, that could be a bit of an issue. Can I interject here what I don't like about Stanford, since we're talking about them, we kind of do this together. You probably have them one game better than me. I have them at eight and four. I think a little bit too much deference is being given to the program. Listen, they've been good for four or five years. Uh, a, a chunk of that was lost, but you're right. It's not about the quarterback. They've, they've continued along, but the kid that left didn't get a lot of credit. He won more games than a lot. They're breaking in a new quarterback. They lost two, two all Pac-12 linemen that are in the NFL right now. Um, everybody's focused on the running back, McCaffrey. Great player, but. You know, if the holes aren't there, and I know if Reese figures, hey, it's plug and play, they'll just put the linemen in there. I don't like the schedule at all for them. The Kansas State game's winnable. Then they take two weeks off. They're going to be playing a USC team that I think comes in at one and one after an Alabama loss. They're going to want to atone themselves. And then the following week after playing USC, even if they were to win the game, they got a road game at UCLA and a road game at Washington. We're going to get to those schools. And then home at Washington State at Notre Dame. Their schedule is almost as brutal as USC. Yeah, that's a tough start. That definitely is a tough start. To be honest with you, I had them at eight and four, but I really like the McCaffrey kid. I think he probably pulls a rabbit out of you know where and uh, gets them an extra win. So I got them at nine and three, but I think we're kind of feeling the same way about Stanford. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm never going to fight. We're making predictions here, so who knows who's right. I, I'm not going to fight with you over a game, but I think we feel the same about the team. Good program. Yeah. Uh, you know, good, great coach. I'm a big fan of Shaw's. I, I, I just, this year, I think they're being given a little too much respect based on the past. Let's talk about um, the team that I think is going to be the big surprise in the Pac-12 this year, and that is the Washington Huskies. Uh, I'm high on these guys, Emil. Uh, I, I, you know, I like, I like what I saw last year, to be quite honest with you, and I think they have a schedule that sets up fairly nicely for them they're opening up with Rutgers they've got Idaho then they've got Portland doesn't really prepare you for Pac-12 play but that's three wins for them right there Um, when I look at what they have on the road within the conference at Oregon you know we're not in fear of them anymore at Utah certainly going to be tough but then you're at Washington State that's the next anything on their schedule so that sets up quite nicely for them I think they make a run at the Pac-12 North title uh, the only thing I could say is maybe it's one year too soon. Uh, maybe Stanford, they can't get over that Stanford hurdle yet, but I think they'll build a certain measure of confidence um, in that, the running in that back, Stanford what's his game. Name? Gaskin? Is, Ga- is that the right, am I thinking of the right yeah. name? Gaskin? Yeah, I, I, I really, okay, he really came to my attention in the bowl game. Yeah, he's a beast. He, he's the best running back that you've never heard of. Uh, not, you know, not named Fournette or McCaffrey. This kid's really good. Uh, Peterson, give him credit. We talked about this when he was taking the Washington job. Chris Peterson understands what he is. At the time, uh, you know, he was on USC's radar. You said it first and foremost. You didn't like him in L.A., not not an L.A. guy. You kind of saw him in a smaller market, and I think he understands what he is about personally. Uh, I have Washington winning the division. I have them at 10-2. Um, they play really good defense. They got most of those kids back. 
Um, I'm not high on the out-of-conference schedule, as you said, but the beauty is the first conference game is Arizona, so they can get their feet wet before they jump into the you know Stanford-Oregon stretch of the schedule. But really, the schedule is manageable. They could split the Stanford and Oregon games and even pick up a loss somewhere along the line against the Utah or USC and still end up 10-2 and because the rest of the schedule is highly manageable. So to me, just you know, between what they have coming back and the schedule, I got them winning this division. I struggle back and forth with who would win this division, and I just said to myself, I think Stanford wins it this year on Aura, uh, but uh, Washington makes that move uh, ever, ever closer. And so, you know, and, and a toss-up for me, I, I go I go with the uh, the incumbent, and that's uh, that's going to be Stanford for me on that one. So uh, that's the direction I'm leaning in. So by, I put, by the way, I, you can see where our records are going here, and I think you and I agree for, when we're all done with this. I actually, when we get to this show next Monday, I believe we'll do it on Monday, uh, I, I have the Pac-12 being the team shut out of the playoff this year just based on when I started going the brutal, through the, the brutality the brutal of, the, of the conference. All the schedules. It's terrible. And, you know, that's one of the things they need to fix in college football. College football is a lot about the team that wins many years or that are really good is how your schedule sets up. Unlike the NFL where you can play a brutal schedule, go 11-5, and five, and it prepares you for the playoffs and you win the Super Bowl. In college football, you could be 9-3 and three and be excellent. It's just if your schedule is terrible, you know, it just it doesn't set up the right way. you you, you got three losses. Another team that maybe quite isn't as good plays the schedule in the right order, and they're 11-1. and one. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. That's the hands that we are, are dealt there. So what would you, you have for, for Washington as a record? I got them at 10-2, and, and then, you know, we'll talk about the Double-digit wins for Washington. Very bold. I, there, I, I, really like, I really like the way it sets up for him. I do. He's a good coach, and I like the way he, this year, this, to me, this is the, the year the schedule sets up the right way, and things are falling into place with who else, you know, they have to compete with in that conference. So I think this might be the year. Well, uh, Washington State, and we're going to move on to now. It's the final team in the North that we're going to talk about. No one does eight and four, uh, Emil, like Mike Leach. Did it last year. Did it several times at Texas Tech. No reason for me to believe that he won't once again win eight games uh, with Washington State. You know, they can be a tough out if you don't come in there focused, and you know they're tucked away all the way up there in the corner of the United States. I don't think teams always go into the Washington State game with their mind right. So. I think they'll be the beneficiary of that. Um, he's gotten what he needs there in terms of personnel to run what it is he runs, which is where you send 10 guys out on a pass route. He's very good at that. And uh, I think he'll continue to be just that, um, just enough to not be 500, just bad enough not to be in the mix of things at the top. So I've got eight and four for Washington State. I think that's uh, eight, eight wins is what Mike Leach does. I got them at seven and five. Um, the Boise game's tough. They're, they got Oregon at home. Um, Stanford, UCLA at Arizona State. That's a tough. You know, they they play Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State in a row. The back half of the schedule is, is easier uh, until they get to the final game against Washington and the Apple Cup. So I've got them at seven wins, and he does he does seven five eight four really good. I mean, he is the champion of that record. Really? Yeah, he owns that thing. I'm not doing 500, so I, you know, no one could get on no. me about that. But then I'm going to frustrate you by never really getting to double digits. That is 
Mike Leach in a nutshell. We'll entertain you, though. So for those folks up there in Pullman, uh, they better be happy and don't go crying about so, an 8-4 so or 7-5 record. You have Stanford winning the North. Okay, so my championship game, I've got Washington, USC. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with just gut feeling this year that Washington's going to be the big surprise team. I think they're going to win the championship game, finish 11-2. and two. As I said, I think they'll be shut out of uh, the playoffs because, again, they're Washington, number one. They don't carry a lot of name recognition at this point. And with two losses, even though I think they should be in a playoff if they go 11-2 in that conference, I think they'll get shut out because the other conferences will have champions that have one loss, or even if you have an SEC team with two losses, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. So, uh, you know, I think they'll go to the Rose Bowl this year and surprise a lot of people. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I didn't. We didn't obviously talk about our predictions before this, but you clearly feel like I do about Washington. You're a little bit more excited about them. I, I look. Let me not say I'm not excited. I just think that's a huge leap for them to get all the way to that championship game and win it. I think they come up just short of that championship game. I like. Stanford in the north to take on Utah in the south, and I just love the direction that Utah is moving in. You know, I'm kind of uh, going against what I'm saying here because, you know, Utah is going to, in my prediction, find their way to the championship game. Um, and uh, I like them to win it. I just love the physicality that they've brought to this conference. And in a game of physicality, I think Utah just has a little bit more uh, – what's the word I'm looking for there? Well, I know, I know what you're saying. A little bit more versatility in their game. And yeah. uh, I think well, they take out Stanford to be the champs. You know, before we put a nice big bow on the Pac-12 and move on to the, the Big Ten to finish up the show today, uh, I want to just say, you know, I think I think that it's clear to me going through these schedules and programs. Frankly, I, I think the, the Pac-12 is clearly the second-best conference behind the SEC. And it's just a shame that last year they were shot out of a playoff I think they may have a very good chance, as, as these predictions show, of getting shut out again this year. And, and uh, to me, that, that, that's the real where they have to fix this playoff. Because if you look at this conference, this conference is an excellent conference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and that, that I guess the, the cry this year will come from the Pac-12, and I don't mean that in a whiny kind of a way. I just think, uh, you know, the, the, the outrage will be whatever happens to the Pac-12 champion because I just don't see it. I just don't see the champion coming out of here without at least two losses. So uh, I'm going to be interesting to see how that winds down. Before we head into the break, we haven't heard from our guy here in a long time. Uh, that's due in large part to the fact that we haven't been on for a very long time. But Les, how you doing? Thanks for joining the Gridiron Stud Show. What's happening? What's happening? What's going on this morning, brother? Hi, well, I know Les, you've been you? listening. We're doing well. We're doing well, man. I know you've been listening. What do you think there in the Pac-12? Uh, you know, give us like a, a 30 to 60 second breakdown on what do you think ultimately is going to happen in the Pac-12 this year? I know you like Pac-12 football. Uh, well, all the schools that you guys talk about, I got I got guys at Cal, got an offensive uh, offensive guard at uh, Utah. I got a um, I got several athletes throughout the country, so there's guys that I've helped. And I, I like your predictions. I think Washington has a great opportunity to uh, to have a solid year this year in the Pac-10. I mean, Pac-12. Uh, I like uh, I like uh, Utah. I like USC to perform well with the players that they have uh, returning. Uh, just having a new staff may be a different change for them. Um, UCLA should be solid. They lost a lot of players to transfer. 
Uh, one of their top defensive back transferred to Texas A&M. Um, so they got a lot of things to, uh, you know, polish up at USC, but I like all your predictions. I think Washington will have a good year. I like Cal to at least go 6-5 uh, and five and make it to a bowl game, regardless if they lost their quarterback. They still got some talented kids up there in uh, Berkeley. And uh, like I said, I think the biggest upside is Washington. I think uh, the coach uh, finally got to a year where he got the type of crew he needs to make sure Washington is in the, uh, the top of the Pac-12. So I like his, everything you guys are saying. Arizona State is going to have a down year. Uh, they got a lot of talent in the backfield. They lost a lot of receivers in the last few years. They lost a lot, lost, uh, a lot of players on defense that were solid athletes for them. So, um, Arizona. Well, I have, these, um, I, have these, uh, I have this question for you. Uh, who do you think wins the Pac-12? And since we're going to do the Big Ten next uh, after you're off, who do you think wins the Big Ten? Well, you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna, I'm gonna be biased because I I think my Michigan State Spartans everybody uh, they don't look at us serious because uh, we lost a, little, a lot of athletes last year during the draft. So I like Michigan to repeat as the Big Ten champs. And uh, like I said, I'm agree with you. I'm gonna go with either Utah uh, to win it outright uh, after they beat uh, Stanford or Washington in the Pac-10 Pac-12 championship. For all, all right, the listeners man, we'll out listen. there who are new to the show, Les, who's a frequent caller, is a personal trainer out in Arizona because he started talking about guys. I didn't want them to think you were an agent or anything like that. You're, you're a personal <laughs> trainer. <laughs> I got my guy here in Arizona. I was like, wait a second, wait, wait let's be clear here. He's training Yeah, we need to guys. we need to clarify <laughs> the fact that you're not a a barber or you know anything like that or a jeweler. Um, he does actually train athletes. Um, and you know what, Les? I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a good 15 second promo here. Let the people know what you do out there. Well, uh, PA Fitness is a facilities where we we are former athletes trying to help young student athletes understand the importance of uh, training correctly, learning the right techniques to build the the development and explosion and the speed and the strength that you need to play at the next level. Um, I'm a former player. I've been training athletes for about 18 years, and I help a lot of young men get to Division One schools, one uh, AA schools, Division Two schools. I try to help kids as best I can to uh, give them some insight about what's required of them, so that that way they can play to the best of their ability, and um, you know accomplish all the goals that they set for themselves. You know that's the main point about it: uh, getting the kid to believe in your philosophy and seeing how how well they change and adapt to uh, the development process. So. I love helping young men. I'm in the state of Arizona. If there's anywhere I can help a, a, a pro athlete, collegiate athlete, high school student athlete, as well as youth, reach out to me. We train performance at gmail.com. I am Lester Johnson. All right, man. That sounds great. Uh, you know, I think Amol wants to talk to you off air about trying to get him down to a four three forty. Why he needs to run that? Yeah, down. I, think, I, I think have no Les idea. Could double my vertical. I mean, that's six, I have a six inch vertical, Les. I think you could at least get me up to twelve. He, he has a credit card. He needs to jump over. Yeah, later, I need to jump over a pack of cigarettes and a credit card. Amol, that'll be that'll yeah, be okay. easy for me, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Les. Before I let you go, what's the PA stand for in PA uh, PA Fitness? PA Fitness is Players Authority Fitness. Uh, players is for the players, by the players. It's former athletes, man, training, you know, high school student athletes, man. We just want to give back and teach these kids all the things that we've learned to make it to the highest level. 
All right, man. Well, there you have it, Les. Thanks for joining us on the show. We need to take a break. When we get back, we're talking Big Ten football and our predictions. That's coming up next on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. of the second hour of the Gridiron Stud Show, first Football Friday edition, first legit Football Friday edition, and we're doing our predictions. We've got the Pac-12 in the books. Now we're going to slide back east and talk about the Big Ten, uh, a conference that should be very, very interesting this year. We could go uh, with the east part first, but why do that? That's the more interesting yeah, part, so we'll hold yeah, you here. Yeah, we'll the more interesting the part. Yeah, yeah let's, go. let's go west uh, because – they're going to have to eventually – we've talked about this last year. I think eventually the Big 
Ken might have to look at this because I think this is a long-term systemic problem. It's not just a cycle. They've got most of their power in the East, and if you look, their traditional power. So it's not like you could say, well, unlike the Pac-12, who Stanford and Oregon have been on a six- or seven-year cycle of being up, I don't think they're worried about, you know, a USC and UCLA being permanently down. I think the Big Ten has to take a look at this because, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State in the same division could be a problem long-term. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I, look, they had to know that going in. I think there's some some reason why it was done this way, uh, maybe something even more than preserving the annual Michigan-Ohio State matchup, which is you know, rather important to the conference and to college football. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, but, you know, they are going to have to, in, in the interest of keeping things more interesting, they're going to have to do something about that. Someone in that East is going to have to slide over to the West. But the West is what we're going to talk about right now. And uh, not to get you all excited, let's talk Illinois football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you and I both like Lovey. And, you know, the first half of his schedule is manageable, if we could put it that way. I mean, you know, Murray State, and, you know, then he's got North Carolina, which is probably a loss. Western Michigan and a trip to Nebraska. I mean, he could come out of September, or September in that first day in October at two and two. The back end is brutal. Uh, you know, as far as it goes, it's, it, to me, it's going to take a lot. He'll make them an improved team, but I think this is a four-win team. I mean, I mean, they'll 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 play better, but I just don't think it's going to result in a ton of a ton of extra wins. So I've got them at four and eight. Man, you you really like Lovey, uh, based on what I just heard there. I like Lovey Smith. I don't know that I like Lovey Smith as a college football coach. Um, he's going to have to really show me on that one. I'm just not sold on it. And he didn't get the best job in the world there with Illinois. So uh, I think it's going to be a rough it's going to be a rough start here for him uh, at Illinois. I, I don't know that the attitude is right there. They, I don't know that they have the players. I think these things are going to take time. How much time they're going to give Lovey to fix those things, um, I'm I'm not sure. They did a couple of good things last year, but within that within the conference, uh, not so much. They surprised Nebraska, which was cool. They blew out Purdue, but other than that, uh, they got marched on a little bit. And I thought they had some talent last year. Some of it has left. I don't like them this year, uh, but I you know uh, perhaps he could build on something. It won't be on on. Uh, it won't be the way folks hope. Two and ten I got for Illinois. Sliding on over to Iowa. Iowa was the dream team last year. They had a dreamy season. And in the course of doing so, Emil won a lot of games on last minute, close. Uh, and, you know, they certainly have learned how to win football games. They're tough. I think they can duplicate that again this year. I just don't know if they're going to ride that all the way to, to – uh, to where they went last year, but yeah, you know, I've got them at ten and two, so I might be I mean, just talking know, crazy. I, I have I have them at ten and two as well because again, we're talking schedule. The schedule is manageable. Miami, Ohio, Iowa State, North Dakota State, all at home. Trip to Rutgers, big deal. Northwestern comes in. The road games at Michigan and Minnesota and Purdue, not not terribly difficult. They get Wisconsin at home. They get Michigan at home. They get Nebraska at home. You know, road trip to Penn State, not that bad in between. So, for me, there's a couple losses in there, but not enough to stop them from winning 10 games again and being 10-2. and two. 
and uh, probably winning this side of the, the conference as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, so we, we both have some good things going on for Iowa there. Minnesota has been a mediocre, um, you know, middle-of-the-road team for the last several of years. Um, I don't think that's going to change. I think that's who they are. That's who they are right now. There's nothing there to suggest that that's, there's going to be any big jump for Minnesota. I have them at 6-6. Six and six. Amel, where do you have them? You know, I was just going to make the joke, but thank you for beating me to it. Nobody does 6-6 six and six like Minnesota. <laughs> All right, so there we are. Keeping sliding along Nebraska. Uh a bit of a surprise for me under Mike Riley last year, to be quite honest with you. I didn't I wasn't sure he's was gonna come in there and uh be I don't wanna say great, but as good as they were right off the bat. So kudos to him for that. Maybe he is a better coach than I anticipated. Hell, you take a look at Oregon State minus him and they're uh, you know, taking on Lots of water there at Oregon State, so perhaps Mike Riley's do more credit from yours truly. Um, and, I, you know, I like them to be a solid team this year. I don't know that they can win this half of the Big Ten. I like them at 8-4. and four. What do you have them at? The funny, exactly the same thing. Again, I love schedules. This is where, you know, the tough game in September is home with Oregon. Uh, you know, the, the road trip to Northwestern could be a little dicey. Uh, Northwestern, we'll talk about them next. Uh, always a pain in the butt to play up at, up on, on their field. Uh, with the rest of it, though, the center of the schedule is, you know, manageable with Illinois, Indiana, Purdue. The road trips to Wisconsin and Ohio State back-to-back, and there's going to be some losses in there, and then finally closing out at Iowa. So, again, there's enough on the road where I think they're going to lose some games, but I see them being solid at 8-4 just like you. I think this is a, uh, you know, he, he'll improve them. Riley, I'm impressed with what he did. Yeah, um, so we we both have them there at eight and four. Northwestern, uh, Northwestern's a team, um, you know, on the slide coming out of high school. I wanted to go to because I was big into journalism. So they've got a small part of my heart there. I want to love them every year, um, and I, I like them again this year. Just not on the uh, in the standings table. They have a little section here uh, in the in the middle part or right after the beginning part of the season, that's going to be extremely tough for them. After their Duke game, they've got Nebraska, who we both like. They're at Iowa, then at Michigan State. They get a breather maybe against Indiana, then they're at Ohio State, then Wisconsin. I think that's just going to be uh, – it's going to do damage to them psychologically. And, and so while I would like to say Northwestern could be a 7-5 and five football team, uh, I'm leaning more to five and seven, or maybe six and six. I'm putting down five and seven, Abel, but I think with the thought of needing that sixth win to get into a bowl game, perhaps they get it. But put me down for five and seven on Northwestern. I think Fitzgerald is a good enough coach that um, he'll figure out a way not to lose the games on his schedule that they should win. So I've got them at six and six. But my, my feeling is exactly the same as yours. I don't even need to expound on it. Basically, the, the center of that schedule for that type of program is just brutal. Yeah, Purdue, uh, I mean, I, you want to talk about a coaching staff that's under the gun, it's 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 these guys, and I don't know how much Purdue is working with their, um, you know, the early part of their schedule. Uh, there's There are some challenges. Cincinnati's going to be that. When you're Purdue, I mean, they're not, they're not a whole bunch of um, – for sure wins, but having Cincinnati in that first three uh, could be a little tough for them. The schedule uh, doesn't really look that bad 
at Maryland, who I don't know is going to be all that good, at Nebraska, at Minnesota, at Indiana, I don't know. But, and well, I kind of like them to be 5-7. and seven. I thought 4-8 and eight at first. When I looked at the schedule, I bumped them up one. I've got them at 5-7. and seven. The only time I want to see Purdue is when it's on my plate and I have a fork and a knife. Um, I've got them at 4-8. and eight. <laughs> Four and eight for Purdue. So I guess we both uh, were in the same range there on that one. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a team that, uh, and I got them at nine and three, which is less than the ten and two I predicted for Iowa. But it's all about your conference record, and I think Wisconsin's going to come out on top on, in that aspect. And I think they're the ones that win the West um, in in this little battle here. That uh, I really think this conference comes down to those two teams. But you know, I watched them in that bowl game last year against my Trojans, and it wasn't a huge game. I mean, USC was beat up. Uh, you know, I, I saw the approach Halton took to the game. That said, I watched Wisconsin. I could figure out how they beat teams. They just bore them to death. I mean, oh yeah. my God! I watched that game. I, I was I was my own team, and I was ready to turn the game off. It was so damn boring. Okay. Now, yeah, they will definitely lull you to sleep. They'll lull you to sleep. They open up with LSU. That's not doing them any favors, I don't think. Um, it, I don't know what you're getting. For me, I can argue with you. I don't know where you're getting 9-3. and three. I look at that stretch from September 24th through almost the end, of, through the end of October. They go at Michigan State, at Michigan, home with Ohio State, at Iowa, home with Nebraska. Who did they piss off? I, I mean, just that, you know, just that schedule alone, I, I see them fighting to be an 8-4 and four team. I think they'll, they, because they bore you to death and play really solid, fundamental 1950s football, they'll win games, but I just can't see them winning enough to win this division, not not with that center stretch of schedule. Yeah, I think, I think all of uh, uh, their issues are going to come there. What I like about them is that they're a physical football team. They do get a break in between that Michigan-Ohio State game. And, um, you know, I, I haven't matched up the schedule of those teams. Uh, they could get one or more of those teams coming in with the wrong idea. So it is tough for them. And uh, I think the LSU game preps them for a run like that. So maybe they'll get through it. But um, I'm going to stick to Wisconsin. I've got them at 9-3. and three. What do you have, Wisconsin, at? I have them at 8-4. 8-4. Uh, you know, yeah, when I, when I take a second look at that schedule, that is rough. But I'm going to stick to my guns and uh, give Wisconsin the, uh, the conference I here. But it, it, you're it, not it's sure. It's a you're, oh, you're I'm like a little girl. You're, on you know, it. Yeah, you're like the girl in the bar when she, she gives her number to a guy and she says, why did I do that? It's the real number. You know, you, you, <laughs> you didn't say nine and three. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, not even a, it's not the nine and three that bothers me. It's just that that's a tough little run right there. Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska. That is that is rough. But I'm going to put a little faith in my Wisconsin Badgers. Let's run it up to the part that we really, really want to talk about. And that's that East. Uh, I'm going to let you lead the way on the East. We're starting off with Indiana. What's your thoughts on Indiana Hoosiers football in 2016? I know you're all excited about it. They fall under that category of what you always say. Sometimes your job in a, in a program as a coach is you realize you're not going to win, so you have to make the team interesting. And Indiana plays interesting games because they're not real interested in defense, first of all. And they, they figure out a way to consistently move the ball at this point. So you watch their games. They're very entertaining. The defense always lets them down in the end, so they lose games like that Michigan game last year where they you know, they let them score a tie, send it into overtime, and then lost. 
Um, so for me, you know, generally I just look at them and say, this team is another team that's going to do 6-6 six and six and really entertain you well. Matter of fact, it's probably more entertaining to watch a 6-6 six and six Indiana team if you had to watch every game versus a 8-4-9-3 Wisconsin team. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that, and they definitely fall into that category. Listen, we're not going to win the Big Ten. Let's just be honest about it here. It's not basketball. It is football. And uh, when we're sitting here in the East, there's a lot of powers here with uh, folks who have uh, some advantages over us. But what we are going to do is we're going to lose in the most entertaining style possible. That is Indiana football. You have them at 6-6. Six and six. I've got, I have them at 5-7, and seven, and that's uh, where I'm going to leave them. Let's move on to Maryland. I love the coaching hire from Maryland. I think Dirk um, is is he's going to do some good things there. And uh, DJ Durkin, I'm talking about the head coach yep. at Maryland, but it's going to be a tough start for him uh, because he's got to he's got to put some infrastructure in there for Maryland. And you are in that tough part of the Big Ten, and uh, that means you got to face all these guys. So I think it's going to be a tough road for him at first, but I think the folks around the program are going to see it moving in the right direction. I have them at four and eight. Um, and that's where they're going to start from. I don't know what you think. Well, I can actually see them eking another win out of there and being five and seven because in the beginning, you know, playing Howard and FIU and UCF, even though two of them are road games, you know, they could get off to a decent start. And Purdue, I mean, is, is home. So, you know, you could see them at maybe three and one to start the year. Two and two, three and one. At Penn State, not what it used to be right now. We can't assume that difficult of a game for them. So schedule early, they could get a little momentum uh, late. They have to play Michigan State and Michigan and Ohio State, and the losses will pile up. But I, I think they can get the five wins this year. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. The schedule is not as brutal as some others we've looked at in this conference. But I, uh, I have them at four and eight. Michigan State, less talked about them. You lose your quarterback, Connor Cook. You have uh, lose several key players to your team that uh, managed with all the hype to uh, win the conference last year. I think that's – I love Michigan State's program. I love the way they develop players there. I had a chance this off season to work with some of those players that were getting ready for the draft and to just not only work with them but talk to them about the things that are done in development there at Michigan State. Love all that. Love the fact that they never have a top recruiting class, but here they are continuing to win. Um, and win big in the Big Ten, but I just think you've lost a little bit too much this year to come back and be what you were the year before. So I see a slight fallback for them at eight and four. How do you see Michigan State? I, I like them. At, again, I, I, we're kind of in the right direction. You and I, we see the fallback together. I see not quite. You know, I see nine wins because you know they start off with a, you know an exhibition game basically against Firm, and then they have get two weeks off and they play Notre Dame. You'll learn a lot about yourself in that game. Uh, then they go home with Wisconsin at Indiana, home with BYU, home with Northwestern. I think they get a little momentum early, maybe jump out 5-1. and one, uh, Then Michigan-Ohio State's on the back end. So I, I got them at 9-3. and three. I think they'll take a step back, but not a huge step back. Yeah, uh, going to be like, you know, we got all excited about this this part of the conference and for good reason now we're going to get into the real nitty-gritty it's michigan and ohio state time let's start with michigan um i love jim harbaugh football um i don't know if i like some of his crazy tactics um he's going willy-nilly on this whole college thing and the fashion in which he's attacking it i think it means he's not long for college football he's probably going to leave a mess in his wake but for now he's going to put michigan football in the foremost of people's minds 
Um, but I don't know that he's quite ready yet. He's got that battle. Uh, Urban got a head start on him in this whole uh, Big Ten college football coaching thing. And I think, um, you know, maybe Urban and the boys um, from down south are going to have continue to have that advantage. I see Michigan as a 10-2 football team. They do go to Michigan State. They are at Ohio State for that final game. They are at Iowa. I think between those three games right there, they find two losses, and that's probably going to be enough for them to not – I mean, everything's going to come down to that final game at the end of the year, and I think that's what you want if you're the Big Ten, if you're a college football fan, if you're the NCAA, if you are the Big Ten Network, if you're ABC, whoever is carrying this, everyone's got their hand in the pot. Uh, I think that's how it's going to boil down to for them. So 10-2 and two is why I have them falling just short of the uh, East crown. You know, the same way a schedule can do you in if it's if it's not laid out correctly and it's, you know, unbalanced and too difficult, as we talked about, you know, in the Pac-12, some of those schedules we were looking at with Stanford and USC. I think this schedule is going to hurt Michigan because I think the first half of the year is not going to prepare them for the second half. Uh, you know, they don't leave They don't leave Ann Arbor for the month of September. Hawaii, Central Florida, uh, Colorado, which is essentially a Power 5 doormat role in a conference. Yeah, I mean, Penn last State. year they had that early Utah game that I thought prepped them for, for the for the I run. thought so, so too. Now, you know, now Penn State has get, got name recognition. I'm not so sure Penn State helps them. They're home five weeks in a row to start the year. They're home. They play Wisconsin October 1st. It's a more difficult game, but again, home. First road game. At Rutgers, October 8th. Then the back end, as you point out, there's three road games there, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State. I just don't think after the first half of the year you make one trip out of your stadium to play Rutgers, I don't think you're going to be ready for that. So I see two losses, and I, you know, it's going to be a disappointing 10-2. Because 10-2 in college football this state, that's a hell of a record. But I think it's going to be a letdown the way they finish the year. Because I think that... Uh, the, the, you know, they're going to get out like gangbusters. They'll be a top-five team early on. Everybody will be excited. And then I think it's all going to come crashing down toward the end. Yeah, uh, so I think we're seeing eye-to-eye on this one. Well, well, then that leaves us with Ohio State. And I guess unless um, you've been heavily drinking early this morning, I think we're both going to say Ohio State's going to be your champs here in the East. How much do I like Ohio State, Amal? I don't do this very often. Got these guys at 12-0, and 0, Emil. Um, I've got them beating Oklahoma in that early game and then winning every last one of these games in the conference. So I don't know. I can't all recall off the top of my head where I've had a team go 12-0 and 0 in my predictions. I usually leave a little room for error there for me. But I'm going to give it to Urban and Ohio State, and I'm going to call them 12-0 and 0 this year. As I said, I like them in that road game against Oklahoma. If they do beat Oklahoma, and they do so in an impressive fashion, I think the rest of the conference needs to watch out. They are at Wisconsin, a game I expect them to win, tough as it may be. It's surrounded by Indiana and Penn State. I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. Then they've got the Michigan State game, and like you, we both agreed, Michigan State's fallen back a little bit. And then they get the home game against Michigan. I think that Michigan game comes down – um, at the end of the year as to whether or not they're going to be undefeated. And these guys are lathered up, especially what I've seen on the recruiting trail with what Harbaugh has done. Uh, it's kind of charged up Ohio State. And um, I, I like them to be undefeated and be a part of the college football playoff this year. Are you as enthusiastic? Here's, yeah, here's what I've always warned college football fans. You know, publications love to look at who's coming back and all that good stuff. And that's, you know, that's important sometimes. But when a team gets it going and a program gets it going at, at a certain point, 
it doesn't matter because they they're in other words, if you're at Ohio State, you're recruited to play football at Ohio State, and they've got it going right now. No different than Miami did, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and USC did, and then Alabama has it now. That's where Ohio State that they're just bringing guys back. You know, guys are coming up, replacing guys that are leaving. They were recruited to play football at Ohio State. They're going to have a great team. Their, their recruiting classes have been top five in the country four or five years in a row now. I'm like, I, I don't have them 12-0. I see a loss somewhere. I'm not going to try to pick these games individually. There's a loss to me, you know, on, a, on the road at Oklahoma or maybe an upset against Michigan State. I have a feeling they'll be lathered up and they will not lose to Michigan. I just I, I just have a feeling at home they're not losing that. But I've got them at 11-1, and one, uh, winning the conference, and I'll just roll right over, beating, you know, Iowa and my side of the who I had winning the other side in the championship game and rolling into the college football playoff. Yeah, well, um, you know, we probably should have saved Ohio State for last, but we are doing this alphabetically. So Penn State and Rutgers remain. Penn State from your home state. Um, you usually take a dump on anyone from Pennsylvania. I don't know why. I don't know why they let you live no, there. No, I like I don't it. know what's I don't, going on. No, I'm a I'm – a, my, my team up here, like if you, if you said, who do you I, – I root for Pitt in that rivalry. I like Pitt. I'm – but I'm not going. You know, I'm trying to do a show here. I mean, if I was just going to do that, I'd say, well, you know, I have USC 12 and 0, winning the whole thing. We're done. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm looking at Penn State. Um, you know, the Kent State game. For some reason, that that program's been in love with scheduling these MAC teams early in the year. But uh, you know, the game at Pitt, I think they lose. Uh, the Temple game is no cakewalk anymore with what he's done down there. Then they go to Michigan. I think uh, this is a team for me. Six and six that is written all over it. I hear you. I'm not too far off on that, but just a little background for any of our new listeners. Okay, this man, Amel, lives in Pennsylvania, doesn't root for the Phillies or the Pittsburgh Pirates. He roots for the Dodgers, another team in the National League. Um, He's in the town that has both Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. He's in that state right there. Who's he root for? The Dallas Cowboys. Penn State. One of the all-time programs in uh, all of college football. Who's he root for? USC. I mean, look, I don't get it. The guy's probably trying to get sniped. I don't know what it is. I like um, the LA hope- teams because the Cowboys belong out there anyway, right? I always say that they're a Hollywood team. I just like, I like the LA teams. What can I tell you? I guess Your I hope you have, I a good- have something in common. I hope you got a good life insurance policy. Me on Penn State, <laughs> I'm uh, roughly the same. Uh, I have them at seven and five. I think they'll just be that m- mediocre team. Hackenberg's gone. It wasn't a big Hackenberg fan, but um, he was a three-year starter, I believe, there for Penn State. Kind of tough to replace that, so that's going to be a little bit of a problem for them. Schedule's not too overwhelming, so uh, I can see them being a seven and five football team, and I think I'll just leave it at that. Sliding over to Rutgers. I think the uh, consensus is that Rutgers will be the doormat in this conference this year. And so with that being said, I like them to be 4-8. and eight. Going to be a, 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 a tough start for them. Maybe the future looks brighter. 2016, just not going to be a great year for Rutgers football. No, I see them opening up September 3rd at Washington and getting their pants pulled down right, right, right from the jump. Uh, you know, they come home, you know, for what should be two of their three or four wins on the year against Howard and New Mexico. And then Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, hello. Yeah, this, this team's yeah. got three and nine all over it. Yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see that. Four and eight, three and nine, that's what you and I have it. Just for my record keeping, what would you say you had on Penn State for a record? Six and six. I mean, uh, I just, 
I'm not sold on Franklin. You and I have talked about this when he was in the SEC. I think he is a fine salesman. I'd have him as my vice president of sales. I think he can sell, but I don't. But isn't that what college CEO. football is at that spot? You got to be a salesman. What's less you miles? Sell, What's less miles gotta, right now? No, I understand. Listen, you uh, hear me out here. I I understand the sell part, but then on Saturday you've also got to be able to coach a la Harbaugh and Myers and Nick Saban. We've had this counter with my team. We've talked about my team when people used to say, you know, Lake Kiffin, our beat Starkey, you can really recruit. Yeah, okay, that's great. They can really recruit. I can get some kids to go there. It doesn't mean anything. You have to be able to coach, too. Yeah, um, certainly. You're on record about Franklin. Okay, so for me, uh, the way I have this whole thing shaping up in the Big Ten, it's Ohio State versus Wisconsin in the championship game. It would be a rematch from a season uh, a season meeting, which will make it a little bit more difficult for Ohio State. Uh, I don't like rematches, but uh, I think Ohio State's going to be that much better than Wisconsin in this whole thing and, and uh, go ahead and win the conference uh, over Wisconsin. How do you have it shaping up? I have Ohio State being Iowa in the championship game, and I have the Ohio State – it's thrilled that they don't have to watch film of Wisconsin a second time during the season because that's hard sure. enough. You should bring your Red Bull to that session. Um, but, you know, no, I Ohio State <laughs> in Iowa and rolling, rolling into that playoff, which we'll summarize on Monday when we cover the one that everybody's been waiting for, the SEC. We'll, we'll break that down and then we'll lay out the playoff, I guess. Yep, we'll lay that whole thing out for you on Monday, so be sure to be here Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, that recaps, uh, that that really uh, puts a bow on both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, um, as well as uh, the uh, Big 12 and the ACC that we did, so we're back on Monday with the SEC. Man, we're going to devote the whole show to the SEC? That's not fair. Can't do that. Well, you know, it, 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 it'll warrant that. I think there's. I just the want to cry for the people out there. Everyone cries about the SEC getting preferential treatment, but it is exactly what it is. And so, you folks out I, there, I just love, gonna I have listen, to. I'm not. A, you know who I? Uh, we make no bones about my rooting interest, but I love watching SEC games. I do. What can I tell you? Oh, listen. Let me tell you something. The folks that make noise about the SEC also like watching SEC football games. They just, you know, they don't want to come right out and admit stuff like that. But nevertheless. Uh, we've reached the end of another great Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. We want to thank all of you for listening and making us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. Again, we're back on Monday talking SEC football and anything else that comes up over the weekend. I believe uh, breaking, Ryan Lotsky has uh, recanted and is apologizing for his fake I got robbed in Rio story. So um, head to the Internet right now and get all of your information on that. For the rest of you, enjoy your weekend. Powell's girlfriend got the whole thing. She saw the whole thing go down. Yeah, she she got the whole thing. And Brian Williams was there off in the cut looking at the whole thing go down. Uh, That's your weekend. All right, don't booze too hard. Keep yourself in order. Uh, Have fun, but don't turn up too hard. We're back on Monday at 10 a.m. for Amo Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you guys on Monday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. 
Take control of your future. GridIceStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen.